Welcome to the Mystical Truths Podcast. This is Rebecca, and I'm really glad you're here. Let's unlock your world. I received a comment and a few questions from the episode, Why We Die the Way We Do, that I thought would be really helpful to share because they're pretty common. And understanding more about them is really useful. You know, and I understand that why we die and the way that we make that transition can be uncomfortable to think about. It can be, it can feel bad. And the reason why I'm talking about this is because I really believe, and I know for sure, that it doesn't have to feel bad, especially not as bad as it feels to a lot of people. And we know this because when it does feel bad, when anything feels bad, we're not seeing it the way that source energy or God or infinite intelligence is seeing it. That's the feedback. But if we look at it from a broader perspective, if we shift our perception and get a better idea of what really is going on, it feels better. That's the feedback that says yes. That's the way we're seeing it. That's really what's happening. The first is a comment from Maureen, whose 30-year-old son died suddenly due to a fall just over a year ago. He was her only child. He either fell or someone pushed him. It's not really known to his family. So you can see that just in that alone, people can pick that apart and say, well, no wonder it feels so bad. He was young. He was her only child. And she doesn't really know for sure exactly which happened. Did he fall or was he pushed? And what Source wants us to know is that we don't die in any particular order. We really want to say, but 30? You know, and Maureen even goes on to say, I don't ask why God took him, because I've always told my son he was a gift from God, and suppose he was needed in heaven for something more relevant. My son visits me in small ways. I know I'll see him in heaven just as I did here. I'll be listening. Thank you. And I want to say that there's nothing more relevant than what we or any part of non-physical is up to. God or source does not have something more important that one or two of us are needed for. There's not a system where we're being plucked out because there's something better. What could be better than what we're doing right now in this physical life or what non-physical is doing? It's all equally great. And all of what we're up to, physical or non-physical, is synchronized perfection. There's no reward and punishment system. It's not like God or source is saying, well, you've done some things, so I'm going to give you a rough exit. Or I really like you a lot, so I'm going to give you a smooth one. Or you're so wonderful that I'm just going to take you out now and have you back for myself. We're all a part of everything that's happening. And we're not rewarded or punished. There's nothing inserted into your life. There's no external decision that's being made that says, okay, now you go. And your people can just deal with it. That doesn't feel good. If God was truly gifting and inserting things into our lives, we'd have everything that we want and we would, I guess, stay here forever, <laughs> right? No, Nobody would ever leave our life. 
But God is not inserting and deciding for us, or gifting, or punishing, or rewarding any of us. An example would be, if a child is given everything that we think the child wants, initially you pick out your child's clothing, you pick out the food that they eat, but slowly over time, it's important for that child to pick for him or herself. If we continue to pick their friends, do their homework for them, pick what they eat, pick what they do in their off school time, and so on, aren't we maybe unintentionally not allowing that child to attract for himself or herself? How can this child really form its own preferences and figure its life out, so to speak, if we're always doing it for the child? So the same thing with us, source having that broader perspective and that unconditional love for us and the complete trust that we can make it through this life, however we want to, however we choose to while we're here physically, is not looking to do those things for us, is not looking to make our decisions. So from our broader perspective, from who we are as a soul, that bigger percentage of us that is not physically focused right now, from that vantage point, we know when it's time to go. We know what's right for our particular timing. And because life is a very attraction-based experience, and that's a good thing, the details of that exit will synchronize to make sure that that exit really does occur. And it's hard sometimes from our perspective here in physical to understand why those circumstances synced up the way they did. Why did it have to be that way? It didn't, it's not so much that it had to be that way. It's just that it is that way. If you're in the left lane a lot, especially about death, then how are you going to ever synchronize up with a nice, easy, smooth one? Or if you're in the left lane just in worry and in negative stuff, it's more likely that your exit from here is going to be not as smooth maybe as it could be. That's another reason why I like to talk about this topic, because if you can find some ease in it, then you'll have some ease in it. Does it need to be as traumatic or as drawn out as we see it to be sometimes with people? Does it need to be? I would say not. But is it? Yeah. Because we are attracting, whether we realize it or not, some version about or some version of what we're thinking, expecting, talking about, regurgitating. And that's okay. Because like I said in the other episode, you know, that's a train you're just not going to stop. You can leave voluntarily because you want to. We can check out. But most of us have an instinct to survive that just keeps dominating. And at some point, some exit has to occur because this is an in and out experience here, in and out. I don't think any of us really do want to stay forever, but I do understand that we can really not like it when it's in our own life. 
when it becomes real in our experience, it can throw us. But the more you understand it, the easier that is to have as an experience in your life. If you can look at the honey that's here and there in that whole scenario, then again, you still don't have to like it. But at least you can honor and respect the fact that this is life. The next is a question from Tansy. She says, you describe the transition from the physical world to the non-physical world, almost like your famous highway analogy. It's very easy to jump in and out. And that's true, Tansy, it is. The creatures of our planet show us that. They're very easily in and out, in and out. She goes on, if I'm understanding that correctly, we do this multiple times and choose many different lives or paths because that's how we expand through experience. You also say when our loved ones leave our physical world, they're always with us. It may not be physical, but they're here and they're communicating with us and watching us. And I just want to say here, it's not so much that they're watching as much as it is that they're being aware of you. They're being a part of your experience. So let me just clarify that again, because I think that's important. Nobody's watching you. They're aware of you. And they are a part of your experience. It's a little bit of a difference there. I don't know if we like to be watched. I just wanted to, and I know what you meant by that, Tansy, but that's why I wanted to put a little clarification in there. So she goes on, my question is, if we have many different lives and jump from physical to non-physical with such ease, how do we know our loved one is here? Like, what if my best friend passed away? He's gone. Well, he's not gone, but I get what you're saying. He's not here physically, but immediately decided to experience a different life. Is he actually with me or is his soul now a new baby somewhere else having a new life experience? How long do we have with a loved one before they're ready for a new life experience? That's a really good question because you can't help but wonder, right? If if someone I love has passed, we can communicate still. But what if they take off for another life experience and the communication isn't possible anymore? Well, the good news is the communication is always possible, whether someone you loved in this life has chosen another life experience or not. The reason for that is, like I've mentioned before, you don't bring your whole soul into this life experience. You're way too much for that. You focus a fraction of your attention very intently into this life experience. But the bigger part, the bigger percentage of who you are as a soul is never physically focused and therefore reachable. We're able to do that where we can have a life experience here and still be available for someone to communicate with on a higher level. So there's never a time at which we need to think, I can't communicate because that soul has taken another life experience. So always available to you. And isn't that just a really nice thing to know? Even for yourself in your own life, you have a bigger percentage of you that is aware, that's paying attention, that is having this experience with you, but is not as focused into the physical as you are. So it does have that broader perspective and you can tune into that. 
So the next question is from Teresa. She says, when I was about two years old, my parents took me into a drive through car wash and I freaked out. My dad had to push the car in front of them out because I wouldn't breathe and I was totally freaking out. Anyway, I was only two. I had no reason to be afraid of water or to be claustrophobic. I'm terrified of choking, drowning, or suffocating to death. I don't like big water, although I'm much better than I used to be about it. Why do we have these fears? Is it a previous life reason? Most often, especially when it's noticed that young in life, we it seems that we have some type of a availability to memory that can be recalled or tapped into or triggered maybe by something in this life when we're very young. It's not always the case with everybody, but we have lots of documentation about it. And there does seem to be something about that two-year-old kind of phase. That's about the age when we're maybe engaging more and more into this new life or realizing more, but yet we're not so distracted from the rest of who we are. So it may it's it seems to be a little easier maybe to recall. Now just the fact that we do have that memory or if we have a memory like that doesn't mean that we have to carry it with us for the rest of our lives. Generally when a child does recall something like that if we can ease them through that, if we can help them realize that you're this person. This is who you are now. This is your family now. This is your life now. Everything's okay. When we can find ways to just put that ease in there, those memories generally start to fade or sometimes immediately are not important anymore. They're not upsetting us anymore. But if attention is given and then worry is given and then misunderstandings are there and Now it becomes a thing where I'm afraid of water and I'm afraid of suffocating. I'm afraid of drowning. And then that just sort of perpetuates. It's a belief then. It's talked about maybe in the family. So then we're conditioned and we just keep doing that and keep doing that and keep doing that, which again is okay. But the more we understand this, maybe the more we can help the young ones to release that early on, to let it go. There's a book, you can find it on my website on the Just For You page toward the bottom. I have some recommendations there. And one of them is a book called Soul Survivor. It's a story, it's a real life story about a young boy who started having night terrors, terrible night dreams, and his parents tried to take him to the doctor. They tried different things and he was still having them. Somebody suggested that maybe it's a past life memory and his parents didn't believe anything, especially his father didn't believe anything close to that. But it became sort of undeniable over time. He was remembering names and details. His father started researching to prove it wrong, basically. And he kept finding more information. He almost got a little obsessed with it and kept finding more information and more details that matched what his son was coming up with. It's a really interesting story. And eventually, the son's getting a little older, you know, as as the research is going on. 
And eventually they realized that he did have a past life. And he was in a war. And they took him to where his death experience happened in that life. And they, I believe, put. it's been a while since I read the book, put some flowers out. They, he just let that life go. He realized that he is this James now and not that James. Because on his little papers when he was learning to write at school, he would put James 3. And they wondered why he kept putting the 3 after his name. And it was because he was James in his last life. His dad was James, and so was he. Too little to really come to that understanding. He was just writing it. So a lot of really interesting details like that in the book. And I really find it interesting and useful that his father really doubted that anything like that could be possible. And that caused him and allowed him to research it without trying to prove it right. He was actually trying to disprove it. But the details that came up were very impressive. So there are times where a child will recall, but not know how to process what they're recalling. They don't understand what it is. They think it's something in this life that they're afraid of. But with a little information and a little understanding and and some compassion, we can help move that through. So even in your adult life, Teresa, you can loosen that up, let it go, remind yourself, that's old stuff. And even if it had been an experience that happened to you in your childhood this time that was causing this, because that happens too, it still is in the past, it still can be let go. And I think just us recognizing it that way is a big help. That was then. This is now. And I don't have to continue to be afraid. I can find ways and because just because we're curious, we'll find those ways to let go a little more and let go a little more. And you've got to talk yourself through this as far as water is okay. Sometimes people do drown. Sometimes people do suffocate. And maybe I had that experience, but if I did, it must have been a long time ago because it didn't happen in this life. Should I be afraid that it's like a premonition that it's going to happen? Well, that's not going to help you, is it? Because what you think about, you'll create some version of. So why think about it? Why call anything similar to that in? When you can be calling in something nicer in this life, all right? Maybe that was a cool means of exit for me. I don't understand why, but maybe it had. It was just the way things synced up and that's how I died in that life. But here I am now and I know more now and I can understand how a transition out of this life, out of this physical life is a continuation of life and a tra- my transition can be smooth. My transition can be full of ease. So the more you're thinking that, the more you're expecting that, the more that's what you're calling in. And that's true with anything in life. So thank you, Maureen, Tansy, and Teresa. I really appreciate your comment and questions. And like I said, I wanted to talk about this because transitioning out of a life, our life experience doesn't have to be sad. It doesn't have to be life-shaking. And because it's part of the life experience, 
we can choose to either be tormented by it or shift our perception to the way source knows it to be and not be tormented by it. We may not have to fully understand it. We may not have to like it. But why be tormented by it? Because like I mentioned, the people that you love or have loved here that are not physical anymore are certainly not wishing or wanting in any fashion for you to feel bad and to suffer in your life experience because they were here with you and they're now not. Everything is temporary. And that's a really good thing. So that's it for now. My suggestion is to put as much of the transition experience as you can in the right lane, because that not only will make your life experience here easier, but it will make your death experience easier too.